We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Twenty minutes a day. 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. What's going on, Packer fans? Welcome back to part two of our pre-training camp expert series. I am joined today by the one and only Wes Hodkowitz. You can find him, of course, on Packers.com as the senior writer. You can also find him on Twitter at Wes Hod. I'm sure you can find him on threads as well. Wes, it has been far too freaking long. How the heck are you doing? I'm good, buddy. You kind of, uh, you got a little lenient there with the expert terminology, but I I appreciate it. Uh, Certainly always a pleasure when I get that message. Hey, do you want to jump on the show? Always happy to do it. Yeah, you're the best. I always appreciate when you come on. I know everyone loves it as well. So what we're doing, uh, we have our expert series this week. I'm going to ask you three kind of generic questions that I'm going to be asking everyone, then two West specific questions, and then a personal question. Are you ready to be on the hot seat? I'm ready, buddy. All right. Can't wait. So number one, super simple, super easy. What are you most looking forward to in training camp? It cannot involve Jordan Love in any capacity. So you can't say Jordan Love, but outside of that, training camp's about to kick off. What are you most looking forward to? 
Really, for me, it's going to be seeing what this offense and these young skill position players have to offer. You know, last year we talked so much about the defense. I think everybody has a good idea of what special teams is now. But offensively, there are so many question marks, Andy, with with who the primary playmakers are going to be. How much is this offense going to run through Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon? And ultimately, who are going to be the young guys that step up? And at the time in which we're shooting this, you know, there's no Mercedes Lewis on this roster. Alan Lazard and Randall Cobb are already gone. We're working and going through our position by position series right now. And I think it's something like 17 career starts among all the Packers skill position players. I mean, it, it outside of the running backs, obviously. Right. So it is going to be a learning lesson, I think, for love and these complimentary pieces to figure out who's going to be the guys that step up. But what an opportunity, though, too, right? Because at every interval of time in which the Packers have kind of played over the last 20 years, there's always been a go-to target. And you can make a case that that is Aaron Jones, but there's no Donald Driver. There's no Jordy Nelson. There's no Greg Jennings. There's no Devontae Adams. It's really Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs coming back and credit to both of those guys for what they did as rookies, but they still have yet to have like that marquee thousand yard season. So seeing how the receivers mesh up with those young tight ends and who kind of separates themselves in this offense that for me is probably day to day throughout training camp going to be the most intriguing thing to watch. Listen, if Matt LaFleur can't make it work when your veterans of uh, pass catchers are Tyler Davis and Josiah DeGuara, he's not, he's not <laughs> meant to be a play caller in the NFL when you've got that type of experience uh, with your pet. No, but I think it's going to be super fun. And you, I mean, it's, it's easy to tell that Watson and Dobbs are going to be wide receiver one and two in some capacity. And then everything else, you know, besides running back, as you mentioned, it feels totally up for grabs, you know, from wide receiver three and four, whether that's a Jaden Reed, a Samore Toure, does Dontavian Wicks or Grant Dubose or Malik Keith or somebody else grab that, um, you know, does, uh, you know, from tight end, it certainly seems like Luke Musgrave is going to have a huge opportunity, but how much does Tucker Craft get involved? And I do think there's potentially roles for Tyler Davis and Josiah DeGuara as well. So like there is so much opportunity on offense, not to mention working with a first time starting quarterback. And it's not like, it's not like Aaron where he has his established guys, right? And it does right. seem like him and Romeo have a connection. It does seem like in the past, Josiah and him have had a little bit, but like there is so much just like everything's seeping with opportunity right now. Well, and Andy, you, you break this stuff down a lot better than I do, but when you look across the middle, you know, with, with Jaden Reed coming into this offense, and as you mentioned, Luke Musgrave and Tucker Kraft as potential guys down the seam, that's an area of the field I think Green Bay wants to get more production this year. And it seems like those picks and specifically day two are, are guys that could potentially be a conduit to making that happen. And, and realistically, I think when you look at where the offense needs to take the next step this year, it is in that capacity. It is being able to catch the ball between the hashes. And that, that's going to be the really exciting thing, in addition to the fact that you're mixing and matching guys like Watson and the Dobbs on the perimeter and potentially also with some of that you know jet motion screen looks as well. It's a really, really good point. And I don't think it's limited to offense either. I think the middle of the field is going to be such a huge thing for the Packers this season. Offensively, can they run the ball behind John Runyon Jr. and Josh Myers? Obviously, Elton's going to be good there, but can they run the ball in the middle of the field? Can they attack the middle of the field with Musgrave and Reed and Kraft? Can they, on the defensive side of the ball, can they stop the run and not allow five yards per carry? Can those inside linebackers, can Campbell get back to first team all pro? Can Quay, you know, take a major step in year two? Devontae Wyatt, you know, can Kenny have, a, I think, a better season than he had a season ago. Like I think the middle of the field is going to be such a huge, huge aspect on both sides of the field for this team. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, you look at the best teams, the NFL, the, the teams that made the playoff runs last year, that, that that is where they're winning down in and down mm -hmm. out. And I felt like green Bay for as many things as they did well at times last season, that was what was sort of the missing piece. And, 
I think you've seen it, Andy, over the years. I mean, when you see guys like Aaron Jones, what he can do kind of knifing through the middle, you don't need to give him a lot. No. But, but if you give him that 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 area of the field to, to kind of will his way through, uh, man, it, it pays off in spades. And, and certainly when you look at defensively, it was one of those situations where I, I didn't want to like sit here and place it on one guy. Uh, it was no. a lot of different things. But that being said, the Packers had to try something different. And I feel like they are trying something different. You need a big step from Devontae Wyatt. You need TJ Slayton to become a, you know, a, a snap eating run defending, you know, one tech nose tackle in that base defense, but it is giving the Packers a new sense of hope. I feel like going into this training camp, if a couple of those guys step up in addition to those things that you mentioned with the inside backers, I definitely feel like that's an area where they can win because you already know with Preston Smith, with Rashawn Gary coming back, what those guys are going to offer to you, you know, when they're also defending on the edges. I think that's what makes this sort of season and just especially the off season so fun is there are so many question marks, but there is so much hope everywhere with guys like Quay Walker, Devontae Wyatt, Luke Musgrave, Jaden Reed. Like there's just like everywhere there's a question mark, there's a potential answer. Yeah. And we don't know if it's going to hit like a home run and it's going to be amazing or if it's going to fall flat on its face, but there's at least hope going into the season and just about every single one of those question marks, which again, this thinks I think makes it amazingly fun going in. All right. Question number two. The million dollar question going into this year, we're just before training camp, but what are the West Hod expectations for Jordan Love and this Packers team in general going into 2023? It seems almost impossible to predict, but if you were to say, this is my expectations for Love and the Packers, what would you say? Promise. Uh, yeah. I want to see promise just like 2008. Uh, you know, I, it, I'm not saying it has to be 40, uh, you know, 28 touchdowns, 13 interceptions, 4,000 yards. It doesn't have to be any of those quite numbers with Aaron Rodgers, but it needs to give you a sense of hope. And, and certainly from the Packers' perspective, they want to make the playoffs. When you look at their schedule this year, Andy, I think it's actually set up pretty well for them to make a playoff push, right? It, you can't play these things on paper. We saw that last year with teams like the Jets and the Giants and, and teams that played much better than what their record indicated. But that being said, the Packers go until week eight before see, seeing a team that went to the playoffs last year and it was their division champion. So I look for, really list, realistically, Jordan Love to look the part in the Packers to follow his lead. And if you do that, I don't care if it's six wins, eight wins, 10 wins, 12 wins, whatever. As long as those signs are there that this young man could be the potential quarterback of the future, I feel like you've already checked the biggest box. Beyond that, yeah, every win is extra credit. Every you know potential playoff push is extra credit. And with seven teams now, it's obviously as likely as ever as Green Bay to be able to, to mount a, a quick turnaround, if you want to call it that. So I, I feel like the Jordan Love, everything begins and ends with, with number 10. And if he looks the part and he looks promising in that role, playing and being the guy that's leading that locker room, because I I'll, I put him over huge for how he handled the offseason program. Jordan Agreed. Love talked like four or five times in yeah. like six open practices. I mean, the guy was constantly available. He handled all the questions. He takes himself seriously. He leads by example. He's not going to be a guy that you're going to go into the locker room with and be able to ask him about any player or any situation. He's going to give you the greatest anecdote ever, but he knows how to command. And I feel like when they're making this transition, this is exactly, in addition to all the raw talent that he has as a first round pick, his disposition about the way he handles that position, I feel like that's what gives him the biggest chance because I think he's going to be able to roll with the punches. It's just making sure that Everything else that you look for in an NFL quarterback, it's there once we get them on the field and those games finally matter. 
Yeah, I like the word promise, and I'll add another P. I'll say progress as well, just consistent progress through the course of the season. I have no doubt that at points there's going to be some stumbling blocks along the way. Defensive coordinators are going to throw the kitchen sink at him to try to confuse him, and that's a, a tough thing to do as a first-time you know, year-long starter and seeing how you bounce back from some of that stuff. But I think he's going to get better and better as the season rolls along. I agree with what Goody and LaFleur and Clements and literally everyone has said, even Aaron I think has said, like he's just got to play, right? And I think that's what's going to be – the ultimate litmus test. And I think he's as prepared as anyone could possibly be going into this season. And now it's just like, you know, all the opportunity is on his plate. We keep talking about that word opportunity, but it's all there for him. And I I think he's going to own it. I'm really, really excited to see what he's going to do. And I want to just quickly mention this too, because we know the Colin Cowherd moments, the comment about, oh, there wasn't a big moment with him. I can't remember if you were at that practice or not, but the one inside the Hudson Center uh, back during OTAs where he had that absolute, bullet just on a line pass down to Christian Watson hit him in stride down the sideline it looked like there was some broken coverage involved so I don't want to completely put it all on Jair Alexander but it was over literally the Packers top cornerback one of the top cornerbacks in the NFL he has such incredible arm talent and I feel like anybody on either side of the ball that's seen him practice over the last three years you can see it it wasn't consistent enough in 20 there was still some stuff to iron out in 21, but last year it did look like he turned a corner in the offseason program. And then obviously we saw it in that game against Philly. So th- that's the biggest thing, carrying that forward and eliminating the mistakes. Because as we've seen, you know, from his last year in Utah State, there were too many interceptions. He has to clean that up. You can't throw like he did during, I think it was mini camp that passed late across the middle of Christian Watson in the end zone during two minutes. But everything you want in a prototypical quarterback, six foot four, everything. Jordan Love possesses it. It's so funny too, because like his college tape was like the antithesis. It was just all wow stuff. It was like, the question was going to be, can he become like a pocket passer and do like the, the down to down and everything like that. It was all flash plays. And now it's just like, all right, he's, he's trying to work through his progressions and be a pocket passer and do everything like that. It's like, well, we haven't seen some of the wow. Well, again, we've seen some of it certainly in practice and until we see it, you know, in a 17 game season, we're just not going to know how that all comes together, but the, the ability is clearly there. And it was just like seeping off of all of his college tape with some of the big plays that he made. So um, it's definitely there within his, uh, you know, purview. And he's, even when he's gotten in some of the games, he's made some like the throw down the sideline to Aaron Jones in the cover two hole against Philadelphia. And yeah, Jones didn't end up catching that one, but like that, you can't throw that ball any better. And like, there's some real wow stuff that still happens. Yeah. And I don't know how much you've broken it down in your film review, but, but something I've seen, and again, novice perspective in terms of the X's and O's, but he does not forsake his fundamentals in the face of pressure. He he stays tall in the pocket and he makes sure that he delivers the football the way he needs it. He doesn't get like off tilt with that kind of stuff. It's just going to be about taking chances. That's why I've said all along. I think there's going to be a little bit more gunslinger mentality to Jordan Love and Packer fans are going to have to get get a little familiar with that. It's not going to be the Aaron Rodgers type show anymore, but he's not going to make those type of things where, He's breaking down. He's missing his reads. He's forcing passes because he's, you know, a rushes in front of him. It's not going to be like that. So that that was the most encouraging thing I've seen from him outside of just some of those pure prototypical prodigious kind of attributes that we talked about. That's going to be the interesting thing because you're coming off the most risk averse quarterback in the history of time. And now it's just like any, any, like, like a 14 interception season is going to feel like, oh my God. <laughs> Like, holy cow, like what just happened? Like that was, So it is going to be a little bit, uh, I think, of getting used to. But I think if for Jordan, too, he'll get used to it. And I think you'll see the interceptions and the turnovers sort of, you know, go down as the season goes on. But yeah. it's going to be so fun. 
And it's weird too, the, the way the league has tilted, it was for a while, it was okay, let's get these interception totals as low as possible, right? You saw the Nick Foles here, you know, Kirk Cousins. And now you're seeing some of these quarterbacks, the top flight guys again, getting up near 15 picks again a season. Yeah. So it, it's all about what you're willing to, the cost benefit analysis and what, you're, what kind of risk tolerance you have. But, but certainly when you look at what this defense projects on paper, it should give Jordan Love breathing room to, to be able to, to play the position the way he wants to play it. Maybe Keyshawn Nixon returning a few of those out to the 50, you know, opposing teams 40 yard line can help a little bit as well. All right. You've had the whole off season to marinate on everything that's happened. Addition, subtractions, obviously moving on from Aaron Rodgers. I'm sure watching some of the tape, doing everything. What is one thing that is just sort of stuck with you as either a reason for optimism or a reason for pessimism? You can go in any direction that you want, but something that's just sort of like on the tip of your tongue being like, I can't wait to talk about this because this is something that I want to talk about. I think it is incredible, Andy, that they finally got David Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins back together in the blind side of Jordan Love. If you're a first time quarterback, first year starter like Jordan Love in the National Football League, you cannot ask for a better combination on your left side to, to be blocking for you. And I had the biggest smile on my face when ultimately they settled on Elton going back to left guard because he is incredibly talented. He obviously has those things in his contract that if he plays outside at left tackle someday, he can get more money. I get it. But he is he made the Pro Bowl because of the left guard spot. It is the position that I think he is the best at. I think he did fine when he was at right tackle. Obviously, I can't say enough about what he did at center when Corey Lindsley went down a couple of years ago, just yeah. being thrown in there, kind of going back on his experience and leaning on that for three weeks. But left guard is where I think that that's how he became the second highest paid guard in the game. And to have David Bakhtiari appears that they finally got his situation down. If you're going to you know, reset. Cause I don't want to get into the rebuild conversation, but if you're going to reset at the quarterback position, like you are with Jordan love with a 24 year old at that position, what are the, you can have all pro receivers. You can have all pro running backs. You can have all pro tight ends, prodigious, you know, hall of fame tight tight ends. But if you don't have a good one, two punch on that left side for a right-handed quarterback, it can be a long year. So that's what I like the most. They got to keep that group healthy. Yeah. But yes, there's a lot to figure out on the right side of the line. But on that left side for, for Jordan Love, I feel like that is such a good staple for him as he gets his feet wet and gets comfortable at this level and understanding what this game is going to need from him. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry. 
with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Yeah, I know Green Bay was probably never going to do it anyway, but I think there was maybe an argument to be made of maybe doing the full rebuild and maybe saying like, hey, can we get off of Aaron and David and some of these guys and and really start to get you know more fiscally responsible down the road? Like I, I would understand all that. And if they would have gone in that direction, I would have got it. But at the same token, when you are giving your fine, you know, your first year, first time starting quarterback, his real opportunity to have that security on the left side of the offensive line with a David Bakhtiari there, with an Aaron Jones in the backfield, Elton Jenkins at left guard. I know there's a lot of youth at wide receiver and tight end, like we talked about, but there's a lot of talent there too. Uh, but to give some of those veterans to him so that he has that level of comfort. And just like we just talked about, right? Like the teams are going to throw the kitchen sink at him. Well, having a left side where you've got David and Elton and how they can communicate everything. John Runyon Jr. is not exactly a rookie anymore. Yash has played plenty at right tackle. We'll see if he or Zach Tom gets the nod there. But like this is a, a fairly experienced offensive line and one that should give him as much of a chance as possible, no matter what opposing defenses throw at him. And, and Andy, you and I have covered enough of this football league and an, enough Green Bay Packers, you know, ball now to understand that Zach Tom at some point is going to be a starter. It's just For the sure. way that things are. Um, you know, as much as you love to romanticize 2014 and, you know, starting your entire group for 17 games, all but one week, two contest and having that same five together, it doesn't work that way. So to have somebody like Tom, regardless of how right tackle shuffles out to have somebody that legitimately can back up all five positions. In addition to all the other experience they're bringing back at that position, I think that's so valuable for them right now and seeing how this thing goes. you got to give them a competition, got to give them the chance to to get a starting spot during training camp. But if they keep that starting five healthy and then have Zach Tom there as well, um, there's so many different opportunities and possibilities with that group. And even if he does win starting right tackle, it feels like if there's any other injury, all right, Yash goes in at right tackle and then Zach fills in at whatever other of the four spots get hurt. You know, so I I still think he's going to be cross-trained and he can, again, move pretty much anywhere that you need him. And that sort of allows you to not have to do that with Elton and just keep him at left guard and maybe not have to do quite as much shuffling with Elton either. And he reminds me so much, you know, there's so many people talking about the comparisons to Elton and I get that 100%, but to me, he reminds me a lot more of J.C. Treader. In that his body type, people are going to look at that and go, well, that's not a left tackle. That's not a right tackle. But his footwork, his fundamentals, and his intelligence make it work. And I think he can make it work an entire season if he has to. So um, a great pick by Green Bay last year. I feel like, you know, for for as many questions as there still are right now with Sean Ryan in the third round, I I felt like they hit that one out of the park with, with Tom in the fourth. Couldn't agree more. All right. Couple West specific questions here. You obviously had the opportunity to be at all the OTAs, mini camps, training camp, or not training camp, but mini camp OTA and rookie mini camp. 
Um, of this rookie class, which is, I think, been fairly impressive so far, what has stood out most to you and maybe something that's, you know, just been, you know, kind of marinating with you over the course of these past few weeks of maybe a rookie or two that have stood out to you? I mean, Lucas Van Ness's body is probably the first thing. I, I just, I'll say this, man, and I, I wrote about this in our Insider Inbox com. We'll, it was we'll like get... looking in a mirror for you. Oh, absolutely. Just the same. Yeah. <laughs> just cut, you know, long length, 81 inch <laughs> well, yep. reach. Six, five, 270. Yeah. <laughs> But the kid has just turned 22 or he's 21, so somewhere around that age. And th there's times where you'll get guys that get nicknames, right? You hear their nicknames coming into the league and, and they get here. And it's like, okay, cool, whatever. I mean, the Hercules thing, I don't know who started that at Iowa, but it is so apt and accurate and specific to what LVN offers. And kids got to put it together. You got to show that you can do it at this level. Obviously, there's all that type of things. The thing is not one, you know, just on a scale and with measurements, but I love what I see from him and I can't wait to see him get in pads because I, I think when you look at a guy, I, I said this too, I don't know if it was, maybe it was even to you, but during camp, I was like, if you lined up all the Packers, all 13 of the Packers draft picks, all their undrafted free agents. And you said, okay, tell me which one of these guys was the 13th overall pick. Luke Van Ness is question. Yeah. the first guy I'm pointing to just because of his size and reach and everything. So I'm excited about that. Certainly tight end is, is going to be something interesting to watch just because it's been so long. It's only the second time in the modern era the Packers have drafted two tight ends in the same draft, let alone on the same day. Uh, so that seeing those two young guys work together is going to be huge. Mercedes Lewis is still a free agent. Just going to put that out there. So <laughs> at the time in which we're taping this, you know, maybe could help. But it, 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 be that as it may, it's too young. The guys are super promising. And then the last thing, very quickly, I'll just throw in there, not to name every single person in the Packers draft class, but Carrington Valentine impressed me maybe more than anybody, just on a pound-for-pound pound level. Because if you didn't know this, if you're not watching the Packers day after day after day, Jair Alexander and Rasul Douglas were not here for the OTAs portion of training camp or the offseason program. Keyshawn Nixon missed one practice in as well. Carrington Valentine, Carrington Valentine, I'm going to keep struggling with that. He had an opportunity to line up against Romeo Dobbs. He had an opportunity to line up against the Packers' first team offense. And for a 21-year-old kid that was drafted in the seventh round, I loved everything I saw about him. I like his length. I like his size. I like the fact that, you know, he's going to have that chip on his shoulder that, hey, I felt like I could have been a lot better than this. I felt like I should have had more picks at, you know, Kentucky. I love the way the kid carries himself and I can't wait to see exactly what he's going to do in training camp. Those two back-to-back -back plays that he had against Romeo Dobbs, I forget which practice that it was, but the first one, I think the ball might've been slightly behind mm -hmm. Romeo. I don't know if Carrington actually broke it up in any way, but the way that he closed on it, like immediately stood out to me. I'm like the way, just his quickness closing to that ball. I'm like, okay, that was different. But then like, I still couldn't tell like exactly like, all right, was it actually a pass breakup? Could it have been still a touchdown? Wasn't sure. And then he comes back the very, I think it was the very next play. And they run that little out route to Romeo yep. and he just flashes to the ball, breaks it up. Defense is going crazy. Like those were the things that I was just like oozing with excitement from just seeing a couple of those plays. Again, it, there's so much more to go. Pads aren't on all the normal caveats, but it, I actually, I recorded, um, I forget if it was Dusty or Justice for a spoiler, like one of the ones that are coming up uh, later this week. I recorded that one already. And I said that the 2.5 players that have been living rent-free in my head have been <laughs> Romeo Dobbs, Luke Musgrave, and then the 0.5 was like Carrington Valentine because I don't want to put too much pressure on like a seventh round pick, but like, man, he was super impressive. Yeah. And, and the thing that's cool about it, dude, is people will say all the time, well, it's a seventh round pick. How can you say the one thing you got to understand about the national football league, if you're a standard fan is the, the difference between yeah. a fifth round pick and a seventh round pick is minute. Yeah. These boards as, as much as there's 
tiered early on, it kind of becomes a pick em once you get to that third day. So I always go back to the old Elliot Wolf phrase, which was if you're drafting somebody in the seventh round, you look for an attribute. You look for something that jumps off the page. And for me with Valentine, it was the fact that he was the youngest guy on this team right now. It was the fact that you know, people at Kentucky thought this guy comes back, he's going to offer us so much the next year. He makes the decision to come out. And I feel like when you're looking towards long-term potential, he's one of the guys that could be sort of those minor league development guys, but could still end up being on the 53 man roster. And it's at a position for as stacked as they are on the top four, uh, assuming they can get, you know, Eric Stokes back here during training camp, you know, it's wide open still, you know, yeah. when, when you, you look at basically the non-starters right now at cornerback and safety, it's a wide open field of prospects and candidates. And I think it, Valentine really did himself a lot of service during that week. It is. Yeah, and depending on what happens with Stokes, like let's just say he's not ready to go right away. You've got your top three, Jair, Razul, and Nixon. Then if there's an injury, if all of a sudden like week one, there's like next guy up is it's not like they're playing a handful of snaps. Like they're playing like basically every snap. And maybe that's Corey Valentine. Maybe that's Keandre Thomas. Maybe that's Carrington Valentine. Maybe it's Shamar John Charles. I don't know, but Carrington Valentine has as much, opportunity is anyone in that group to grab that spot and say, Hey, I'm going to be next man. It, it's, it'll be fun to watch. Yeah. And, and I'm excited for it because I feel like between that and the safety position, you have veterans, you have young guys, you have fast guys, you have cover guys, you have guys that are spe scheme specific. You have so many different candidates. You have a guy like thump, right? With Innis gains that I, I don't know how much Innis gains can play defensively. But my goodness. When you look at what him and Tariq Carpenter did the last part of the season on special teams, yeah. when a lot of those original special teamers were then playing on defense, I thought those guys put together a nice couple weeks in December. So again, that's the intrigue of training camp and seeing who's going to separate themselves. It is. And sort of quietly too. And it's got a lot of snaps in the slot. Those yeah. last two games of the season, season on the line, uh, Vikings and lions. He played uh, like 30, 40 snaps in the slot, those two games. Um, all right. Last one uh, Packers related. Which training camp battle are you most excited to watch and see play out as uh, we start heading into next week? Oh, that's a great question, dude. I mean, I think I'm, I'm going to answer this two ways, if you don't mind. The, yeah, the first one is on the offensive line. This is incredible to have 12, 13 guys coming back. If you count the practice squad returnees, figuring out eight, nine, who's on that roster, who's the next men up. Um, you have guys like Royce Newman and Jake Hansen who have had opportunities and fallen out and had injuries and those things of that nature. You have guys like Luke Tenuta who were like virtually redshirted last year after being claimed off wa waivers. And you got Caleb Jones, who is just as big as, you know, can be at the left tackle position, I think is kind of in that same mold of Yash Nyman as someone who could be a long-term prospect, but could pay major dividends for them down the road. We know for the most part that starting five, what it all looks like. I, I would be surprised barring injury, you know, somebody usurping John Runyon jr. We, we saw center for as much as that was made of that possibly in a competition, Josh Myers took all the number one snaps there. Yeah. So beyond right tackle and you know, the, the Zach Tom, Yash Nyman thing. I'm just very curious to see who earns those spots behind him because the Packers for the first time in what was it? However many years didn't draft anybody uh, on the offensive line with those 13 picks, seeing who all shakes out after the Packers collected all these guys last year will be very interesting to watch as far as position battle though, who gets the reps next to Kenny Clark? Because as we saw during the off season program, there was one practice where Devonte Wyatt dropped out after stretching. Yep. And he came back, he was at the next OTAs, everything was fine. But then suddenly Colby Wooden is in there, right? So 
the Packers are in this unique position where you have the three guys who are coming back. You also have Chris Slayton. You can't forget about Jonathan Ford, who didn't play last year, but was on the active roster. But they could be in a position where either of these rookies are playing immediately, and that's so rare. Um, even last year, right? It was so difficult for Devontae Wyatt trying to get on the field behind Dean Lowry and Jaron Reed. So that you were talking earlier in the show about how important it's going to be for the run defense and everything. They could really be relying on young guys at that spot if they don't add anybody else here during the offseason or during training camp. So the next man up is going to be really important there for as much as you got to fill out a depth chart on the offensive line on the defensive line, they're probably going to need those young guys to contribute right off the bat and, and help them out. Because at the end of the day, there's only one Kenny Clark out there. So it's who else can you put around him to make his life easier and also maximize, you know, the type of performance you're getting out of your two time pro bowl defensive lineman. Yeah. I like those young defensive linemen, you know, whether it be Carl Brooks, Colby Wooden, and even Jonathan Ford, who I thought looked a little bit slimmer than he did yeah. a, season ago, a little bit more in shape. I'm, I'm intrigued to see what those guys are able to do. You know, we all are hoping that Slayton and Wyatt take a big step up. Kenny Clark has another monster season. Um, but that, you know, the, the number four and five guy, whoever it is, like that's not a insignificant amount of snaps that they play. And if all of a sudden, again, if there's an injury to the top three, they're playing a lot of snaps. So yep. it's going to be really important uh, to, you know, sort of figure out that rotation and how they can use some of those guys as well. Speaking of uh, Colby Jones, by the way, um, I was uh, going back and thinking of like, uh, Kadeem Telford, who like coming out there, like, yeah, this is like a big kind of lumbering, like this is Jones, like 2.0 and Telford's listed as like six, seven, three twenty two, And I'm like, I, we, we, we went to rookie mini camps. Of course. I'm like, yeah, this Telford, he's like, a, he's a big guy. He's big. And then, and then we get to OTAs again and Jones is standing next to him. And I'm like, like Jones is just like dwarfs this six, seven, three twenty two Kadeem Telford. And I'm like, I, you totally forget just how mammoth of a human being that guy is. I will say this though, dude, going back to when I started on the beat full time and no disrespect to Evan Smith. I love Evan. Um, but the, the, the era of Evan Smith and Jeff Saturday and Don Barclay and like these guys that are like, you know, six, three, six, four big guys compared to me to these giants that green Bay has right now. I mean, Telford Jones, Luke Tenuta is a massive human being. I, I remember when they signed, we had, I was in the locker room. I think I was waiting to talk to, I didn't know it wasn't Boyle. Who's the Packers I'm trying to think of 2019. I was in there waiting to talk to an undrafted free agent. Oh, it was, um, yeah, I'll get, I'll get it later. But anyway, Yash Nyman walks in, right? It was all these guys first day there. They're doing physicals, everything. I'm like, holy crap, that is a big human being. Like my goodness. And then you see the Telfords, you see the Caleb Joneses and it's like, how big can these guys get and still have decent pad level? I mean, but, but I thought Jones is a guy, you saw how seriously he took his, his weight loss last year. He got himself down in that three forty range. It sounded like, uh, it, it is going to be incredible watching who, you know, is going to emerge out of that because the Packers got themselves some huge offensive linemen. They do. I, I really like that backup offensive lineman battle. I think I said Colby Jones. I'm going back to last year, the edge rusher, but yeah, Caleb Jones, obviously. Caleb Jones. Yeah. All right. Uh, last final question. The personal question. I know you're a big wrestling fan. So who is your all-time favorite wrestler and what is your all-time favorite wrestling match? I, I have to, uh, well, it's actually funny because it'll be one and the same. Um, for me, my all-time favorite wrestler, Steve Austin. I know that is a really generic answer, but it's the truth. I mean, it's Steve Austin's the reason why in 2023, I still like pro wrestling, right? He was the guy. I, I got into it because of Ric Flair. I got into it because of Randy Savage and all the guys that, you know, came up in the eighties and nineties, just like a lot of kids, but Steve Austin's the one that kept me interested. And he was the one that I remember when he retired in 2003, 
that was kind of the reason I sort of started losing interest in wrestling a little yeah. bit. It kind of it kind of took all the way to basically the CM Punk pipe bomb thing in 2011 for me to get back into pro wrestling again. Austin was the impetus for a lot of that. He was the guy, that, like so many Americans, so many people around the world, he was the one that kept you getting and watching television every week. And for me, the match that will always, and it's my favorite match of all time, it is him and Bret Hart at WrestleMania 13 the first blood match also because as you know, I'm a huge UFC guy. I've been a huge UFC guy since I was a kid. So Ken Shamrock yeah. as the special referee was huge for me. And I'll never forget watching that match because it introduced me to the psychology of pro wrestling. And if anyone's ever like, well, pro wrestling, it's fake. It's whatever. I mean, yeah. Okay. We'll enjoy the, you know, whatever these shows are now, the sister wives and, <laughs> yes, and reality and, show. Yeah. Uh, what is that one? Like uh, Vanderpump rules. Yeah. Like those aren't scripted at all. Okay. Yes. It's just completely on fly on the wall stuff. No, I mean, it was that match that if you watch it, you understand the drama, the excitement, everything that is great about pro wrestling. And I, I was a huge Bret Hart fan too. So that match has always been my favorite. And even though it's probably not going to score the highest on like a Meltzer rating, his match with rock at, at 19, I think also yeah. tells a great story when you go back and look at the fact that, the Rock could not beat him. He could not beat him. And then finally he gets a pretty decisive victory over Austin and it ends up being Austin's last match for, you know, until wow. the, the Kevin Owens match. So those are the ones that got him into me. And uh, yeah, those are always the classics for me. Those are the ones that if I'm ever sitting at home on a Saturday afternoon and want to bring up something on YouTube or Peacock, that's those are the ones I go to. Yeah, I was a big uh, Kurt Angle guy myself. Though. Awesome. Kurt yeah. Angle and, and Shawn Michaels, probably two favorites. But uh, yeah, the, the Angle Austin stuff when when they did all the the comedy shtick and everything together with Vince and everything was some of my favorite stuff. Oh. But it was actually a match that Austin did with Angle where I I like had the full uh, circle with Austin because Austin was such an entertainer. He had such like he had everything right. Um, but I'm like. You know, if you know, can you really, really wrestle? Obviously, the Bret Hart match is another great example of him really wrestling. But he had a match, and I think it was just on like a Raw or something. But he had a match with Kurt Angle, and he just went full mat wrestler for like yep. the. And he like out wrestled Kurt Angle on it, and I'm like, okay, this like the, like Austin can be a face, Austin can be a heel, he can do everything on the mic. One of the best entertainers of all time. He can be the you know six punches and a stunner and the match is still somehow amazing. But if he needs to, he can also Matt wrestle and give you a classic when he needs to as well. Like to me, just the, the whole, the, in, the entire complete package. And that's just what made him so amazing. And for me, it wasn't, you know, cause a lot of people say, especially after the neck injury, he wasn't the same type of wrestler anymore, but unlike a Hogan or somebody, it wasn't just a formulaic match. He could yeah. give you, even look at the Kevin Owens run, right? He gives you spots. He gives you things that they play up to. And that gets the crowd into it. I just think it's so underrated how he was able to incorporate his style um, at every interval. And as you mentioned, I know he hasn't always liked the heel turn and all that. And there's been some going back and forth about that in the history books. But the, the comedy stuff with Angle and those so those segments with Vince when they were then like together, it, it was entertaining as heck. It showed a different side of his character. Unfortunately, it was such a, you know, if you look at it in terms of like, well, you had Cena for 15 years you had reigns for all this time you only got steve austin for about five years six years in the wwf and um yeah it was a special time it very much was wes you're an absolute legend thank you so much for doing this what can we uh plug for you on the way out well i am on threads now i'm very excited go. about that actually and i think you are now too right oh, yeah, i'm there even though did you have an instagram or did you I, have to I, 
had one, but never used it. Okay. So like a genius move by me to not have a backup plan uh, in case something <laughs> happened to Twitter. But now threads, I guess, is that. Yeah, no. So I'm on, I'm, everything's at West Hod, uh, Instagram, Twitter, and threads. It's funny. I said, I remember telling our interns this because I'm getting old now, dude. I'm, I'm getting up there in age. We got these 23-year-old interns coming out. I remember telling them, I'm like, because they were like, are you going to go on TikTok? I'm like, I'm too old for TikTok. I'm telling you this. Instagram is the last social media platform. I'm going to get on everything else. I'm going to let things take me as it is. But a couple situations happened and made me open to doing the threads thing. So I'm on there. We'll see where that brings us. Trying to figure out maybe that would be something I used to incorporate my training camp coverage this year. Um, but yeah, otherwise, we've got a couple, got a week or two off here. That's why I'm in my uh, regular T-shirt rather than a polo. And uh, then we'll get back to it with the shareholders meeting. So can't look, you know, looking forward to another year. Yeah, I can't wait. Like I said, you're the best. Thanks so much for doing this. Make sure to follow Wes on threads. Of course, you can follow me on Twitter and threads at Andy Herman NFL. You can follow the podcast at Packet 8 Podcast. That'll do it for us. But until next time, and as always, go Pack Go.